You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith, and this is the first part of my conversation uh, held in September this year at the LA Podcast Festival with the absolutely charming Todd Glass. I don't think I've ever had a guest say, oh, you've got a piece of paper. I'm going to get a piece of paper. (laughs) Well, you know what? You think as long as I've been doing this... I would do it, and it's good because if somebody's talking and you have an idea, you still listen to them. Yeah, right. You don't try to keep the idea in your head. That's a good point. You're right. I mean, by all means, hold that and let's let's go because that's a good yeah. point. <laughs> Somebody, I was with uh, uh, Ryan Steckler from Crabfest, and before he oh, came yeah, on my Crabfest. podcast, yeah, yeah, he said, "Let me grab a piece of paper," and, I, and he said, "Why?" And I'm like, "You know what? I I know what you're talking about, but I never do it." So I started to do it, and it's so so. Comforting, because you're like, yeah, just get the thought out of your head and then continue this, back listening. This is what my friend Pete would call a trusted system. You've got to have, you, you know what I mean, just to stop, to, to have some way of getting the stuff into one place. Right. You've got to have a thing you do. So I'm now using, I use my uh, my inbox as my to-do list. So if I have a thought, I'll email myself. It's definitely in there. It's out of my head. I can wander around not worrying about it anymore. You know, that's so funny because like when people complain about cell phones, like, of course, I get it. Sometimes people tell me, hey, turn off your cell phone. I'm never offended. Like if you're hanging out with friends and sure. you're just looking at your cell phone, I never mind being reminded. But I am usually the one telling other people, come yeah. on. Uh, but um, uh, the, the record, the, so much of it lets you be a better comic. I'm sure in other, uh, yes. every avenue, every field, yes. but because yes. we're comedians. But like just being able to be out at night and just get things out of your head. Yeah. You know, and you go, well, you had recording devices before cell phones. Yeah, but you never had one with you. Yeah, absolutely. And what were you going to You didn't have it in your pocket. And you'd have looked stupid getting it out as well. That would have been, you'd have been like, oh, he's that guy with the thing. Right, and you'd right. have had to get over that, which is like everyone has it now. I do sometimes find myself having to pretend I'm taking a, I pretend I've, not, I don't make a big show of it, but I suppose on some level I'm pretending I'm receiving a text whilst I'm making a note secretly oh, right. so I don't look like I'm <laughs> leeching from my friend's conversations. You know, I just said something. What was that you're doing, Stu? Oh, I, I think I've just said something clever, so I'm making a note, you know. <laughs> oh, I, you have to st- I know exactly what you mean because you, you like, you're in conversation and you're, you're admitting that you think, oh, that, I should use that. So I always step away because yes. otherwise they hear. Absolutely. You know what you just said? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. I never realized that's what I was doing. So I, the first thing I would say is that my first observation in coming to your beautiful house, which Thank is a, kind of ranch-like, I guess, I, this is, I think this is how I imagined Californians lived. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's nice, nicely set up. Um, and we'll come on to that in, in a moment because I know you're very particular about how you set up a comedy room. I got a tip-off from Kirshen. He said, oh, talk to Todd about the way he arranges a room. Um, but... Uh, I suppose this is a very relaxing space. I've walked in and gone, 
oh, look at this. This is how this is how Todd Glass lives. And the you that I know, I've met you. I met you in Montreal, and I met you. We hung out a tiny bit at the festival. Um, you aren't. You don't come across as a person who is still and calm and relaxed. You come across socially as this phenomenal machine of energy and kind of it's kind of furious business. <laughs> you know, it's so funny that you even mentioned Matt because. I'm not. I'm pretty frenetic. But I do like my house to be calm because I don't know if there's a reason. But one time some woman told me she was like knows knew a lot about, you know, people that have dyslexia in their minds. And and she goes, sometimes all you have is the calm around you. So you need that to be calm. So I do try to keep the house really calm. Like like if you went to a really nice hotel, like that's what I always think. I want yes. to you might think, well, that's cold. No, no. A really nice hotel where you're like, it just seems clean and every there's simplicity and and when i was growing up even when i was younger there were the now i talk about this in my book but there was this family that lived across the street and their name they were the nalabotskis and when i went into their home like back then i didn't know i was 14 but i knew i liked their home and i knew yes. it was calm yes i you've on the special as well you talk about like sorry don't let me interrupt no you. that's okay yeah. that's okay um and then uh later when i talked to my friend's mom you know uh she said it's funny you remember that when you were little because we had someone that helped us decorate the house and she goes i always thought i could do my own home and you know but this person you know had helped us yeah and uh she said the the, the de- decorator said there's beauty in unity and i remember like if there was a rug in their house it would be the same rug in the living room, same rug in the dining room, up the stairs, all the halls. And then the, whatever was on the window was in that room, in that room, in that room. So okay. some people would be, well, that's sort of boring. But you can take three things, maybe two, and run them through the whole house. Yeah. And at one point, people might go, yeah, but it's boring. You can always go back and put things that have color. Yes, yes. So I when I just sort of fixed up my home, I go, I'm going to do that. And I got that rug. I got that rug. I have only just noticed the rugs are similar. Uh, I put the same one in the hallway. I put the same one in the bedroom. I just got one for the office. And it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. When you have it in this room, in that room, you think, all right. But then when you add it to the third room, you're like, oh, I think. And then the fourth room and then the fifth room, you're like, I see it. It's calming. Uh, yes. It's and I'm calming. just noticing there are the squashes, these uh, kind of like root vegetables of some sort over there and over there and up there. And it's, oh, yeah. Just try to like, just try to, and then the same thing with on the wall. So I, you know, I, I do like it calm, but I don't often relax in it that much consciously, but I think it is a calm place for me to be. Okay. But like my back patio, I have it, you know, I... I have it set up so I should relax. But my friends that know me very well, like when they come from Philadelphia, they'll be like, you, you don't relax out there. Go, How the fuck did you know? They're like, because I know you don't. If I see someone else relaxing, like when I have my brother and his sister, my wife, my, my brother and his wife here, Meryl, and I look back in my backyard and my brother's out there drinking a cup of coffee, talking, I'm like... That's exactly what I want to happen out there. Yes. But I never do it. Yes, this is the, that's why you've got this place. Why don't you ever do it? I don't know why. I can't. I can't, I just am not the type of guy that I relax when I'm with my friends. I, I don't want to say I'm stressed out because I'm I'm not stressed out. But like going back to uh, Matt, uh, he had a friend, Trent, that used to live here with me yes. for a while, Trent Ford. And Trent Ford, like I would come home and he'd have a, a cup of tea and he'd have a cigarette and he'd be just sitting on the porch, just smoking, maybe reading. And I'm like fuck, I wish I could do that. Yeah. But then maybe I don't. Maybe that's not who I am, but maybe I love the concept of it. Yes, there is something about the, the like, looking... 
I, I often I often try and work out, and I did this with comedy, try and work out what sort of comic will I be and look forward and go, what is it, that, what's the journey that I'm going towards or through? And then I, only a few years ago I stopped and I went, actually, what do I try looking behind me? Oh, that's who I am. It's all the decisions I've made. And there is an argument, I think, for whatever it is you're like, you're like that for a reason. You're doing that you're doing that to yourself for some reason not necessarily doing it to yourself but you're living no. a certain way so there is like so is there something in you which is like you feel like you should be relaxed or relaxing and you're just not you're not that sort of person and then let it go maybe after a while but yeah i think there is i think it's from growing up and it, I, I i you know I always preface everything, and I think I know why. Like, you know how people say, like, oh, there's all these terms these days. I've said this before, but I'm saying it again for a reason. There's all these terms, ADD and this and that. And I go, and I go, look, I get it. You know, if you have a kid or you're overly medicated, I get it. There's a lot of, believe me, there comes a twist at the end of this. There's a lot of people that are overly medicated. There's a lot of kids that shouldn't be on medicine that are on medicine. Some kids should be on medicine, but the fucking dosage is way too high. But the huge but... How many people are doing really well because we do have expressions now. We do have ADD. We do mm. with maybe, uh, you know, um, uh, just different terms, mm-hmm. uh, dyslexia. And it is real. And people go, we didn't have it back then. We didn't. Yes, we did. We, people just drank themselves to death. They didn't know yes. what it was. They didn't know what depression was. So, yes, it can be overly diagnosed. But how about when it's properly diagnosed? So I do think there is some truth to with my dyslexia, like my head rattles. I don't have attention span. So I think the reason is that this is all I have. My head isn't calm. Yes. Well, I wondered if that was the case. Yes, because I I like it's it's and it's easy. It's interesting as well, walking in and seeing you in a fairly calm mood. I've arrived slightly late. And so you were presumably ready and you were just listening to music in a calm kind of place. I was like. Is this the secret Todd no, Glass? No, no. Is it an act? Is it like he puts on the mask and goes, and goes oh, no, 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 no. by the way, everything you're saying, like, like backs into something that is like a very specific story. Sometimes when I'm waiting for people, even, even if it's eight o'clock at night and I have friends coming over, I'm anxious. So I'm like pacing when they're not here. I look out the door. If they're 20 <laughs> minutes late, I'll go down to the street and look, see if I car coming up. But one time I had friends coming over and I sat in that leather chair right over there and I had like a book and I opened the book. And uh, had a like a, a drink next to me, and when they knocked on the door, they can see me through the glass. Um, I went, oh, like I was startled they were there. Like, oh, well, I've been reading my book. I didn't, and they all start laughing. And I go, I, I knew why I wanted them to laugh, but I didn't know they'd pick up on it. I go, I go, Jimmy, why are you laughing? He goes, because you're not fucking reading a book, relaxing. I go, exactly. That was the joke. I didn't know if they'd pick up on it. Like, like, oh, look at Todd trying to act like that person. Yes. Like, oh, you're reading the book. They're 20 minutes late. Finally. I lost Ooh. myself in this uh, book. I didn't yeah. know. And the joke is, they know, and you know, you would never do that. You I would couldn't never lose I, yourself in a thing. I couldn't lose myself. So, what is it? Is it dis, you mentioned dyslexia? Is there? Are you diagnosed or self-diagnosed with anything else? What What is Todd Glass syndrome? I think. <laughs> I think you know. My brother explained it to me in layman's term because hey, there's a lot of kids that have dyslexia today. You catch it early, you work around it. Uh, because I never did anything around it. My brother said it one day. He goes. You didn't. In high school, they started to know a lot about it. By that time, I already started stand-up comedy. My parents were like, let them do stand-up comedy. My guidance counselor my high school said kids tend to uh, 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 succeed in an alternative type, uh, you know, not not the traditional. Like if yes. they want to play baseball, they'll do good. If they want to be a musician, they tend to focus in when they find something and really plow forward tremendously fast. 
very smart guidance counselor, Mr. Hildenbrand. Thank you. Um, but uh, so my parents let me. But because I never did anything about it in my case, um, my tension span is shot to shit. Yeah. Okay. So someone says, "Oh, let me explain this to you." Or, "Oh, here, let me draw a map." I'm like, "No, no, no, no. I, I can't. I don't want to see a map. Don't try to explain anything to me. I'll just slowly learn." I don't know if you've come across uh, Adam Bloom, a uh, comic from the UK. Very good joke writer. People are always sort of asking him if he's on the or the autism spectrum. I don't believe he is, um, but he has a very particular way of doing things. I once bumped into him in the street and he asked for directions, and I started showing him on a map, and he went, "No, no, 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 I can't." No, and I'm like. But it's here. This is a picture of where you need to go. No, 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 I don't like it. And it's interesting, that kind of the, the busyness. There's some sort of mental busyness. It's, for me, for Adam, I love that there's someone else out there doing it. For Adam, I don't know what it is. But for me, I bet it's the same if we ever talked about it. I remember the teacher pulling down the map. Now, I didn't learn. I didn't realize then that you learned it slowly. I just saw, can you imagine seeing all those lines? Yeah, 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 Going, yeah. What the fuck? I can't and everyone even... else around you, all the other kids are nodding. And you're like, oh, God, have I, they all learned this? Everyone knows this? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, wow, I can't. So I'm a, I'm a right or left guy with directions. Just tell me I'll go. And then I'll, and, and, and by the way, after they go, go down one block, make a right. When you hit, you know, uh, Bergen street, you make a left after that. I tune out. You know why? Cause that's all I need in my head. When I get to Bergen street, then I'll ask somebody, somebody else. else. Absolutely. I don't want you know, this or that, or just very simple in my okay. head. And you know what? That's why I like hanging around with comedians because look, comedians don't make fun of each other. You know, there's a, a friend of ours. He makes fun of everybody, and we love him. He's just, he makes you die. And I go, why do we like it when he makes fun of us? And my friend Bobby Miyamoto, give him a plug, he needs it, says, because he doesn't make fun of what we're insecure about. Yeah. And I love that, and that's why I like hanging out with comedians. Because, look, we all have our things. It's so much cooler to be around other people that embrace those things. And like, yes. yeah, that's your thing. Like, and this is my thing. And, you know, I, we, we all function pretty good if we just can – Deal with our things. Everybody's got their shit. Just in maybe in regular life, in a regular world, people get teased for those things instead yes. of embraced. Yes. Okay. I well, I want to. I want to sort of set you up slightly for for listeners in the UK who might be who might be less familiar with you. And so I want to ask you about sort of who you are and, wh- and where you're at. I'm not going to ask anything about sexuality for the first hour, so you respect me as an okay. interviewer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've just smuggled in the phrase the first hour. Let's see how we go. Um, but. Uh, but I, uh, before that, just on that note of hanging out with comedians, making fun of each other, and you're someone who is, I'm not going to say you're always on, but, and you're, I don't think you're on now, you're funny, interesting, yeah. it's an interesting conversation, but you have a reputation, I know, for being one of those people who just, a bit like Andy Kindler, if anyone wants an introduction to your podcast, which we'll get onto in a bit, the episode with you, well, I mean, you've done several with, with Andy Kindler, anything where you and Andy Kindler are in a room, I feel like you you are having to do to him what everyone else has to do to you the rest of the time. Do you know what I mean? That thing of like, just um, absolutely 100 miles a minute and you're going, come on, and can't get a word in. I've seen you twice at this festival. I've seen you be like that socially. I'm just bam, 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 bam. We had that conversation the other night about Don Rickles and the way he'd just get out of a situation by going, oh, this guy, this, this guy told me he was a colonel, and then just leaving, just, just yeah. shafting someone and walking out. Yeah, so your listeners know, like, oh, if you go Google anything old, 
old uh, Don Rickles now as comedians or for the comedians that listen to your show or whatever. We know it so well now. We're like, okay, he's on The Tonight Show. He's 42 back then. He's probably maybe a little nervous. And if things don't go well, he'll turn to Ed McMahon or he would turn to anybody in the band. What are you looking at? You know, yeah, what, are, yeah, what, are you, yeah. what are you, you know, what are you spitting up over there in the yeah. drums? And that <laughs> buys him some time. So that's just in my DNA from, yes. from Rickles. Okay. But, but you so, were going somewhere else. So uh, this idea of hanging out with comedians they, we mock each other, but not at the not at the the pressure points. Almost mm-hmm. now, I know when we were in uh, uh, Montreal earlier this year at the comedy festival, you were doing the Todd Glass Midnight Show, Midnight Midnight Hour, Midnight mm-hmm. Show, Midnight Show, and. Uh, on the first night, you arrived and you beautifully set up the dressing room. Yeah. You took out a light bulb, you put a gel over another light bulb, you put a, a lovely candle in a glass, you made it nice. You, you know, you, you put a throw a rug on the wall or whatever. It was a nice atmosphere. And Jimmy Carr told me this story, and he, I can't remember who the other two acts were, you'll you remember. You went out on stage, and as a prank, they completely undid everything you'd done. Right. And I, Jimmy told me that story, and I thought, that's really funny, that's a really funny story. And, but the point of the story was, Todd then became the angriest I've ever seen another human being. I know. Can I tell you, like, first of all, here, here's the deal. Like, it's, it's interesting. That's so, and, and Jimmy was very kind and really sweet, and he defended me. And, and, and so what happened, and I know you just told them. So, yeah, you were backstage. I'm at the same club for two weeks straight. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say this in the way that, like, I don't think what I did backstage made it a little better. Fuck a little bit better. It was night and day. Sure. And this venue was so cool, uh, the uh, the um, theater on St. Catharines, yeah. that they embraced it. They, they let me do it, even if they didn't do it for the other shows. And while I was there, they were so kind. And so I got really comfortable because I used to hide um, things that were perceived to be uh, feminine. And I don't like to say anymore because I used to say, oh, that's my, that people should be comfortable with their masculine side and their feminine side. But I, sure. I want to evolve past that because what you're really saying is comfortable with your sensitivity. That's not own. That shouldn't be a, a quality we t- uh, associate with, associate with women. Yeah, yeah. Same as uh, we shouldn't associate being strong and, and you know, man up. No, it's just they're, they're, so my creative side, I would tend to be embarrassed about. Okay. So that's the other thing in this story that makes me completely start sweating when this happens. So I go backstage. It's night and day. I mean, it's now it's dark. All the chairs are pulled from everyone yeah. put in a circle. We have just one stick candle. So, so I was a little embarrassed already because I'm, I'm putting a candle out, but you know what, when it's four in the morning and it's dark, and everybody, you can't make this up. This either happens or it doesn't. If I, if I create a atmosphere that is conducive for people to hang, I can't make them hang in it. So once they do, it's sort of like, yeah, I do. I it's sit nice. back and it I worked. go, it worked. Yeah. It worked. It yeah, worked. Okay. That's why we're here at four in the morning sitting in a circle. And um, so I do that. I get there early. I also sweat a lot, which there's a reason I'm telling you this. And I get there early. You know, you have to get up. You're unscrewing bulbs. It's hot. You oh, so get... you're doing this every night? You arrive? No, no. I, you... oh, I do the it first the first one. night. Okay, yeah, yeah. First night, I put a red gel around one of the lights. I rearrange everything. And then I get there like two hours before and I do it. That way, when I'm done it, I can cool down and not. And then I get off stage and they put it all back. Everything. Every chair back. Yes. And I did. I said, ah. I was like, I don't want to do... I said, okay, I get it. And I laughed. And I said, but who, who, do, who did it? I thought the person that did it left. You know, yeah. they came by, hey, what, is this Todd? And then sort of went back to yeah, the hotel. Okay, and okay. I, I was asking them, like, come on, just tell me who did it. Now this... By the way, I might be, like, giving you way too long of an answer. Not at all. No, no, no. Okay, so this, this leads to so many things that were going through my head, what you just brought up coincidentally. Number one, I was like... 
really stressed inside. I got very angry because I thought I'm going to have to put this back. If they would have said, we did it, we did it. And then five people, five people putting it back is not a big deal. Then I could have laughed. And I did ask that. I asked that four times. I go, if I swear, if you guys did it, I get the joke. And like, no one did it to, to bother me. No one did it to be mean to me. They all did it because they, they, they they love me and they wanted to just be fun. And that's what comedians do. So I get that in my head, but also I think back, like, remember what I said about comedians? Don't rat the ones the I love. Points. They yeah. don't do it about your pressure points, and I and I and that's what I love, and that's what I'm used to. Because around my circle of friends, we don't. What, hey, if you have a pressure point, I'm going to acknowledge that. I'm going to embrace it. You'll do it for me, and we're going to fucking have a blast every time we go out. And they eventually they wouldn't tell me, so I was like, I go, who the fuck did it? I got like, come on, I go, I don't want to put this back. You know, and, and then and also it it ruins my not only the aesthetics, but in my head, I had calm backstage. Yes. You know, I'm going to be there for two weeks. So I think it's worth putting a little time into it. And I go, that's it. I'm fucking leaving. I'll go back to the hotel. And then finally they went. We did it. And then I felt bad because I thought, look, I I tr- I really do try. I need a lot. This all goes full circle. I need a lot of love. I do. I need a lot of love. If I go to a comedy club, I'm a very insecure person. I need a lot of love. So with all the things maybe I've done wrong in my life, the one thing I figured out, of course, accidentally is you have to give it. Yeah. So if you're going to give love, so I'm nice to people because, yes, in return, I get that kindness in in return. It works both ways. Now, that's a no shit type of a thing, but some everybody needs love. Of course, there's no the, the people that don't give it. It's not because they don't need it. Yes, they just don't give it. They don't get it, and their life is miserable. Course, but I figured yes. out, yeah, you give it, and the more you give, the more you get. Yeah, I like to walk into any club across the country and know that when I walk in, there's a good energy because I was kind to them the last time that I was there, and that gets returned. Therefore, my life's happy. And I thought, did I just fuck that up? Because oh. I never yelled like that. And I'm thinking, God damn it. I don't want a story circulating around like that I was a dick. And like, Jesus, I love Todd. But and then I started to get like like a little bit of a stomachache. Like, oh, can I do damn? Because I wasn't like, go fuck yourself to everyone. But I was like, I wanted to find out who did it. I was like, all right, well, then I'll just fucking go back to the hotel. And I started walking down the stairs and then they admitted it. And then sure enough, like I get back to L.A. No big deal. It's a comedian. <laughs> Someone goes, hey, what happened? Yeah, yeah like, right, right, right. I'm like, oh. Do you know what you've just articulated there very well is that I, I couldn't have asked for a better answer because it, I don't really know what my question was. I just sort of thought like, oh, that's a good example of like so what you do on stage is you have a kind of angry warmth. Do you know what I mean? That's who you are. So that's what I see. Like, you're like, oh, God, you're, be, you, it's, it's you, you're battling and you're battling an incredibly warm way. And I, that's exactly what I was hoping for. Not that I sort of predicted the answer, but um, the idea that actually, from your point of view, you've articulated all of the other uh, factors that were bearing on that situation. Like, to me, that's just like, we pranked Todd. You know, you hear the story, and you're like, someone mm-hmm. pranked Todd. That's a very funny prank. You know, you hear about it, what a funny idea, and he lost his shit. And then actually, what you've said there, you've completely unpacked it and gone... There's the concern about the femininity of the perceived femininity of doing it. Right. There's the fact that you want a good relationship with the club. There's the fact you thought the person had left. And actually, there's so much more of mm. your personality there, and, and as to actually what's what's going on in that situation. And I think that is very indicative or illustrative, rather, of of the sort of comic that you are. You're very, very articulate. You have a kind of a permanent commentary on yourself, both a spoken one and I'm sure as a, as a result of an unspoken one. So you are kind of, and again, it's a good example of you battling something. 
Do you know what I mean? This is different. Oh, fuck. Yeah, and, and you know, Rachel, Feinstein, Rachel Feinstein, um, I hope I said her name right. Once I told her, because, you know, she very nicely was like, wow, I've never seen you like that. And then once I told her the truth, I was like, not the truth, but another layer that maybe I didn't even realize was the embarrassing part sure, of like. Sure, sure, sure. You, yeah, you can, afterwards, you can look at it and go, well, it's probably because of. Because of that. that and she was like, yeah. oh, you could tell she like dropped like very affectionate. She was like, oh, I, that sort of all makes sense now, you know? Totally. But, but the, the, the major, I guess the thing out of that story that really, because for people listening right now, but they might go, all right, well, I wasn't even there. I don't know what it's about. But it, I think it is more about like in that moment, I did think like, Oh, did I just fuck up my nice reputation? Like, what do what I have to do? But yeah, right. more than that, it's like I, I don't want to be around people. I am so used to being around people, like we said a minute ago, that don't do, don't push your pressure points. Yeah. They'll find other stuff. Oh, they'll make fun of me. Believe me, you don't think Andy Kindler makes fun of me. James Adomi makes fun of me. But they'll come up with better things than the things that make me insecure. Like yes. if I have a friend that's uh, heavy or short, he's heard that from every fucking idiot his whole life. I can do better than that. And I had a comedian friend once. I won't mention his name, but I did a joke on stage and it was an impersonation and I went too far into the area of things he's probably heard. It was about 10 years ago. And I called him the next day and I was like, hey, I just want to apologize. And I go, let me, don't interrupt me, I said. Because it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I said. <laughs> so, that is, I just want to underline, just want to isolate that. Absolutely quintessential Todd Glass. I want to apologize. Don't interrupt me. <laughs> because I knew he felt what was rattling through his head was I'm a goddamn comic. I'm supposed to, he probably got, I said, this is what I said to him. I said, you probably got in your car and went, I'm a fucking comic. What, I can't, I tease everybody. I can't take it. I can't tease everybody, but I can't. Yeah, I'm better. I go, you're right though. You're right. Because I could tease you all I fucking want, but I didn't have to pick the one thing that any moron could have found. I can do better than that. And you know what? My heart was warmed because I liked that he said, Thank you, because I was thinking all that. I go, you were right. If I could have been a dick and I could have been like, what? Relax. Relax. I could have done that. I go, I could have done that to you and I probably could have won, but I would have been wrong. So you're right. I can do better than that. And I treat audiences like that. I don't do that much crowd work, but I like the comedians that do crowd work that don't go after the dumb fucking thing. You know, like one, like if I ask somebody in the audience what your name is, and it's a guy, and let's say his name is Lynn, which is traditionally a woman's name. Okay, I'm not that. I'm not every fucking idiot. His whole life has done that. So you think, well, you can't tease people. Of course, you can fucking tease people. Go somewhere else. Plow past Lynn, and then just go. And what do you do for a living? And then da 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 da, and get to somewhere that's unique and clever. And that's what I was sorry that I didn't do. So around my friends, they all know that. And I think I was around a group of people. They don't know that, like, that's my pressure point. Just back off and, and, you know, but it was all good intended. So this is Todd, angrily warm or warmly angry. He's just an enormous amount of fun to talk to. I really got on so well with Todd and um, he's had a really... He's had a big effect on me, and I, I think his um, a big effect. Christ, I'm so bad with words. Uh, which in this profession is pretty depressing. Uh, he has had, he's he really has had an influence on me. Certainly, I get tied up in knots when I'm doing these blurbs because I never know exactly when I'm going to drop this bit in or when when Nathan is going to drop this section into the show. And I don't want to give away things that we haven't covered yet, but we will talk about how. Uh, it was Todd's episode of uh, Mark Maron's WTF podcast three years ago um, when he came out of the closet and uh, revealed that he was gay. Um, 
it was that episode which stopped me using the word gay perjuratively. Um, I, I felt, I suppose, a certain amount of, uh, of license that I could say gay, but know in my heart that I didn't have any uh, hate for gay people. So it was all right, because I'm one of the cool liberal guys, right? So I could describe my friend's haircut as gay. And the, that's not right. It's not right. And I stopped doing it as a result of uh, Todd's episode. And uh, we will go on over the course of this double episode to uh, learn a lot more about just about the way that uh, Todd uses arguments, the way he, he really wants to participate and the challenges that he finds in doing that. It's, it's, I don't want to give away what happens at the end, but it's, I think it's really interesting. I, I kind of challenge him on what he's doing to change the world rather than just arguing about it and whether his comedy can make a difference. And uh, it's, it's really good stuff. Hugely grateful to Todd for uh, for agreeing to appear on the show. And I cannot recommend enough that you check out the Todd Glass Show, which is his own podcast, into which he puts an enormous amount of energy and work and jingles. And he often has a live band. And uh, he, I mean, just listen to one of the ones, I, mean, I talk about it on this show, but listen to the one with Andy Kindler. If you enjoyed me talking to Andy Kindler on this podcast, you will absolutely love Todd and Andy both desperately fail to keep up with each other. <laughs> I think Andy is one of the only people who makes Todd feel like everyone else feels when they're talking to Todd. So uh, thanks again to Matt Kirshen for introducing me uh, to Todd at the festival. And um, we'll get straight back to this in a moment. I just want to tell you, I'm so thrilled that people have been buying the T-shirt. You too can now be the proud owner of a ComCom Pod T-shirt as designed by Warwick Johnson Cadwell. Um, you can go to comedianscomedian.com forward slash merch. And there's a button and two drop down menus that I created myself. I'm so uh, I, I'm feeling so enlivened and exhilarated by slightly knowing how to use my website now uh, designed for me by the brilliant James Hingley. Um, so there is a decent amount of uh, of work has gone into that uh, from James. And I'm very, very grateful. And it's it's given me this kind of like... I feel it makes me feel old because I feel like, oh, God, I should absolutely have learned how to build a WordPress site five years ago, 10 years ago. Um, but I suppose now I've got something to do with it. I suppose uh, having the podcast, having merch to sell and people to engage with. I, I, I'll try and, I'll try not to be too hard on myself, <laughs> but uh, really, really exciting to be able to sit here and tinker with it and, and then see it go up live. So go to comedianscomedian.com forward slash merch uh, or click on the button, which I made myself earlier today in my flat. I made a button um, uh, that is on the side of the website. Uh, uh, James designed most of it, but I'm very proud of my three little buttons that sit there neatly uh, invoking you to uh, uh, subscribe on iTunes or buy a T-shirt or uh, some other thing. Donate. That's the other one. Go and check out my buttons. I'm a big fan of them. Um, very, very proud of my buttons. So get the uh, get the T-shirt. If you've got the T-shirt already, remember, take a picture of yourself wearing the T-shirt where you listen to the podcast. Or, or in the case of one listener already uh, who thought she would get fired at work, that's uh, uh, Sinead, uh, feel free to take a picture anywhere you like. But send it. Tweet it at ComComPod. Um, and I will either put it on the website or at the very least retweet it. And uh, it's just quite nice to sort of build. It's just nice for me to see you, actually, and uh, and put put uh, faces to names. So you can grab your T-shirts. They're £20 plus a postage and packing charge. That is all on my drop-down menu. It took me so long to work out how to use it properly and test it. But we'd only be fannying around with uh, emailing me the word podclad anymore. Though many of you did do that. So thank you. Strictly limited edition T-shirts. Um, get in quick if you would like one. 
Uh, and you can do that via the website. If you don't want a T-shirt, but you just like to donate, you can do that in two ways. You can support the show with a one-off donation at, uh, now, where is it? Oh, it's comedianscomedian.com forward slash donate. Or you can just press the button, of which I'm so proud, at the homepage. Um, so get there. You can donate uh, via PayPal. You can do a one-off donation. That's very kind of you people do that. But some of you, some of you, and I am gonna, I think I'm going to get in the habit of reading the names of the recurring donors because uh, I just... I'd like to bring that in, and it seems like a, a new thing. I um, It seems like a, an apt opportunity with a new thing. So thank you to Becky Dell, Francisco Garcia, Andrew Williams, Tim Bates, Tom Baldwin, Daniel Taylor, and Charlie Chapman. You are uh, this month's new, the, the, the adherents to the new recurring payment system. If you don't have a PayPal account, you can uh, you can set up a recurring payment via Moonclerk. I mean, God, there's just so many words for things out there. It's it's horrifying. I feel a bit like Tron wandering out into the internet and going, oh, look at all these things that don't have their final letter E anymore. Um, uh, so go and do that. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for your, uh, for your one-off donations as well. I It really helps me. It really helps me. Helps me pay for the podcasting equipment and and uh, website development and music and things like this. Oh, here's an idea while, while I'm on the idea of music. For episode 150, which will be with us uh, mid-November, I'm doing a special episode to uh, to commemorate a century and a half of Comedians Comedian. It's going to be called Break Glass in Case of Emergency. And uh, the idea is for me to edit together an hour of, I say me, probably Nathan, to be honest, but that's why you've got to donate so I can pay that poor little ginger bastard. Um, so uh, we will edit together between us one way or another. We will edit together um, the a selection, like an hour's worth of four or five minute, maybe three or four minute clips of the most inspiring bits uh, that you remember from this podcast. The one that always leaps to mind is Josie Long talking about how not to get bitter. So many people reacted to that so warmly. Um and I would like you to help me decide which of your favourite bits, because what I'd like is a solid hour called Break Glass in Case of Emergency, that if you go to a gig and die on your ass, you can press play on this on the way home and get yourself back. It's like the antidote to dying at a gig. And this, of course, it can be useful for people who aren't comedians as well. Just any, any kind of creative, when you're stymied, when you've got writer's block, when you're sick of it all, when you're feeling lonely or anxious or depressed and you can't create, you don't feel creative and you feel like, God, what am I doing? I'm trying to create an hour that you can just inject into your life uh, that will perk you up from existing material from this podcast. So please tweet at ComComPod with the hashtag break glass and tell me, please, your favourite uh, inspirational moments, your uplifting moments from the back catalogue of this very podcast. If you wanted to, you could even uh, include a, a number of minutes uh, to tell me exactly when the bit was. Or you can, if you, if you just remember loosely a thing, uh, just put that up. We'll make a big chart and we'll we'll orchestrate that via the Facebook ComCom, uh, sorry, the, the ComCom Facebook group. So that'll be great. Um, I mentioned music because what I would like is to have throughout that stirring, uplifting, epic movie type music in the background. Now, what I'm trying to do is work with a musician friend of mine to put that together. It might be beyond us because it's effectively, I don't want it to repeat if possible. And uh, we're talking about composing an hour of stuff. I mean, I imagine musical types can do that at the drop of the hat. I may be wrong. So, uh, but it would be good, I think, to have someone going, like to have Sim Sam Simmons when he was talking about like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, if they don't, uh, if, if they're not laughing, I just think you're stupid. You're, you're idiots. It's definitely funny. <laughs> you know, it'd be good to have that with a bit of kind of stuff behind it. Something brave hearty. 
uh, or Game of Thronesy or something like that. Or do you know what would be great actually is the soundtrack from the film. What's it called? What's the James? I love it. It's the James Cameron film where they're underwater. How can I not remember the name? This is this gives you some indication of the pressure I'm under when I make these blurbs, when I'm aware that I'm talking to thousands of you. I'm very happy to be doing so. What's the name of the James Cameron film? It's You know, he's got oh, it's Bud and Lindsay and you never ran away from anything in your life. Now breathe. What's the name of that? It's a... Oh, my God. I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to do something I never do now, which is pause this and look it up. I cannot accept... That uh, Cameron underwater. I mean, I'm not pausing. You're getting this is this is quite Jen Kirkman now. You can hear me typing in the background. Um, if you're familiar with her, I seem fun podcast. This is the sort of thing she does. Underwater film. Ed Harris. It's gonna. I'm gonna kick myself. What is it? It's one of my favourite. The Abyss. Of course, it's the Abyss. Right. So, <laughs> an excellent type of music, a style of music, but I, I just can't, I can't rip the Abyss OST, can I? There's the soundtrack and stick it on the thing because they, they lock me up. So uh, we'll, try and, we'll try and come up with something like that. But your part of it so far is to tweet at ComComPod with the hashtag BreakGlass and tell me your most stirring moments from this podcast that I can cut together and put into a special episode. Have I explained that enough times? Let's get back to Todd Glass. <laughs> Have you always been that kind of a person? Because I can completely, that very much ties in with my, my kind of growing idea of, of you and who you are, what you're like, both kind of personally and on stage. The idea that you would say something and then you're the comic that bothers to apologise the next day and actually, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people would either have said the thing and not noticed the, the upset or they would have said the thing, noticed it and thought, mm, I'm fucked up and then not had the stones to actually apologise. And... I wonder, have you always been like that? Or is that something that you, that you have grown into? Because you seem to me to be such a, uh, an emotionally articulate person. I, I wonder about a younger Todd Glass and whether you, you had that kind of facility. You know, I don't know. And again, prefacing what I said before, because when you, you know when you talk about that you're nice, you think, "Oh, am I treading down?" Oh, you said this before the interview. Don't worry that? about that. Yeah, yeah. Don't Remember, worry. don't don't yeah. preface. Don't. Well, when you talk about, "Oh, you're a nice person," the reason I tell that story up front about if you want it, you got to get it. It's two way street. Yeah. Almost like I like in a joking way, making like I'm not nice. I'm just greedy. What do you mean you're greedy? Oh, I like when I go everywhere and people are nice to me. So what yeah. do I do? I'm nice yeah. to them and I yeah, get it back. Yeah. No, I get paid back. I get paid back. That way it makes it look like, oh, aren't I so great? I'm so nice. No, it's a two-way fucking street. So with that in mind, um, I know that I'm very insecure, like I said. So I think subconsciously when I started hanging out with comedians at a you know, very young age when I found stand-up comedy at 18, I noticed I, – I, I, I stole this phrase from somebody um, – from my friend Chris Kosha, he said, the thing about I like hanging out with comedians, especially maybe when they start being a little more popular, you know, they're, they're in their career, that they use their popularity for kindness, mm. not to bully people. Mm. Most of the time in high school, not all the time, most of the time when you're extremely popular when you're young, you don't use it for good. You don't realize, fuck, I'm popular. I could go into a room and make everybody get along because I'm the popular one. Now, there are kids that do it. Dave Olson was a friend of mine in high school, and that's what he did. But he was, a, he was one of those few kids that was really smart. When I met his parents, I figured out why he was like that. But most of the time, you don't. So now as a comic, since Chris Kosha said that, I was always like, yeah, like use our popularity to, to, to not be a bully. 
So that's sort of maybe subconsciously that's stuck in my head. But like, yeah, I mean, again, and I love being roasted. I really do. But like we said, <laughs> by the rules that we just yes, talked about. Yes. But, you know, I don't Someone know. Someone like Kid, there's a very funny moment on, uh, on uh, the Kinder episode I just listened to on the, on the way over on the flight. Um, when uh, you, someone mentions Periscope, and he's like, oh, great, there's another platform on which no one can watch you. You know what I mean? That's just, that's great. And I can hear, and I, I could see uh, in the show on Sunday with Eddie Pepitone, you know, he would, you know, people would, you love it, you love it, and you are just in paroxysms. Your, your, your body is, it's like a sensual thing. You're just caught up in absolutely loving having them piss ripped out of you. Well, well, well said, because I prefaced it because I, I recently shot a pilot, and when we went back while we were editing it, you know, you couldn't just look to listen to it once. And I started to watch myself laugh at the uh, James Adomian. Of, like, of your own show? Is it, was this, a, was it was based off the podcast, okay. basically for a late night type of a show. Okay. Um, and uh, I watched it through editing it, and I became mortified at my laughing at the other guests. And I was, like, paranoid that it looked phony. And someone asked me, you know, they even asked, they, they said, I hate to ask you this, but are you... It, is it, were you laughing that hard? I was like, fuck. And then I got paranoid. I was. Yeah. And it, I guess that's why in the opening of the pilot, I even made a pre-recording. I said, you know, like, hey, are you about to watch the pilot? I said, can you do me a favor when you watch it? Because you're in the middle of a work day. This would be going into, you know, executives yeah. offices. I go, you'll see I'm having a really good time. But keep in mind, when this is on, te- this is what I say in the opening of the pilot. So paranoid that uh, I go, uh, people that will watch this won't have anything on their mind. It's going to be late night. They're just going to be, they're not going to have any, it's the opposite of that. I had the opposite of that. We, so can you maybe watch it on the weekend when you're chilling out, whatever your thing is, if it's herb or a glass of wine <laughs> this is- or the opening of the pilot, it's a pre-opening. They know it's not part of the sh- pilot. It's sure. just a, I go, put yourself in a place where the people watching it are going to be, because then you'll know where I'm at. When I, and that became because, yeah, when I listened to Eddie Pepitone and I said it at the podcast festival, this will explain it even better. When I go watch Eddie Pepitone live, I, I swear to you, I hold back on the laughter and I'll tell you why, because there is that guy or girl that will over laugh for attention. That does exist. Yeah, I'm not absolutely. unaware. Yes. It's like, all right, bring it fucking down. Yeah. Is that your way you're going to, and it, c- it kills audiences as well. Cause everyone sat nearby is going to come off it. You're obviously a friend. Ugh, it's not like right. And turns them against you. Exactly. And I've had people in the audience laugh that hard that I don't perceive her doing that. I go, no, no, they're just having that much fun. I never attack them. But I get that sometimes people are called on that and they're justifiably called on it. All right, bring it down. It's not that funny. But sometimes I bet they're called on that and they're not. So when I go to see Eddie Pepitone Live, I hold back because I don't care what I know in my heart. I don't want to be perceived from anybody in the audience. Like It it puts you in a pissed off mood if there's someone Mm -hmm. in the audience that needs that much attention. So Mm -hmm. I hold back. But on the podcast, I don't. And you're right. It throws this thing through my body of just like – uh, it's 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 like it is it's like an orgasm but laughter yeah. and i just have to just put my head down and just i can't take it <laughs> i fucking love it andy kindler eddie pepitone james adomian like these guys paul f tompkins jen kirkman they're just like they get me into this thing nothing fucking feels better and yeah. that and and uh it's 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 great you're a you're a real purveyor of that 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 like I feel like that's exactly the thing you want your audiences to experience like you want them to be I mean who doesn't you know you want them to to laugh a lot and it is I come back to this word it's like a it's like a sensual experience you know like w- w- with your with what you said about kind of prefacing the the pilot of the show 
by saying to the executive, you know, in a mediated way, saying, please watch this in, in a particular state. That's not a million miles away from unscrewing a light bulb and lighting a candle in the room. You know, you're sort of doing that to them right. metaphorically, aren't you? you? You want your audience to be in a very particular way in order that they achieve the same kind of orgasmic laugh that that you're talking about, would you say? Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you know, even on the opening of my podcast sometimes, and like one time my brother asked me affectionately, he goes, are you serious when you say that? I go, yeah. I'll be like, all right, I'll pause it. Go d- lower the lights in your house. Yeah. Lower the <laughs> lights. Don't, don't fuck. I'll never know. I go, I'll never know. You're right. When I'm not in the room. I'm doing my podcast. You're in Florida. You're in, I don't know where you live. Yeah. But d- get up, pause it. I'll, you know what? You don't want to pause it? I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait 30 seconds. I'll wait. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I always really do fantasize someone going and lowering the I'm sure the they do. I'm sure we do. You Absolutely. Know? But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm big in, I guess it's atmosphere. I'm very big into atmosphere. I like things, you know, I like the atmosphere to be fucking perfect. And it's free, most of the time, free to get things perfect. Mo- you know, most of the time. Let's talk about this dynamic of you between the kind of the... And anger, I don't think is the right word, but you are very forceful. Like I'm sort of, I feel like you're, like Henry Rollins was a huge hero of mine when I was a, a teenager and adolescent. And I feel you have a similar angle of attack. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're like, a, a, like you seem much more big and muscular than you actually are. You are fairly, you're a muscular, you're a well-built kind of guy, but you, it's almost like the aura that what you project is just big and strong and strength. Do you know what I mean? Uh yeah, I mean, it's it's funny to say, the, the part about being strong, I know. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I guess, yeah, I, you, you don't know yourself until people uh, either tease you affectionately or, or sure. point something out. So, yeah, I always thought, like, you know, it's like when I, I know what you mean. Like, the first time I went to somebody's house, I won't mention the comedian, and it, they had a really cool house. When we all had no money, I went into his house, and I was like, oh, he fucking gets it. Like, with just milk crates and burlap. Like, he yeah, had a yeah, really, yeah. he made bookshelves. And I was like, I didn't ever think he'd be like that for no reason. And then sure. I'm sure that happens with me, the same thing. I guess I, you know, I guess, you know, with me, the yelling comes from, well, it could come from aesthetics. I'll yell about aesthetics. I certainly yell about social issues. Mm. And I always think, like, I hope what I'm doing is I try to mix love, sometimes I forget, with anger. Yes. You know, yell at the right thing. Because someone said, Todd, when you yell, you, uh, affection, uh, I use the term affectionately a lot. It means a kind email came in, a worded mm-hmm. kind. They did a great job. But they'll say, when you yell, you lose the argument. And I was yelling about something. And I thought about it. I get exactly what they mean. So do you. You yell, sure. I say it about Bill O'Reilly. You yet loud doesn't make you right, Bill. Yeah. As Phil Donahue said once to him, loud doesn't right make you right, Billy. But you know what I thought about? Yelling looks more atrocious when history writes you as being wrong. And then they can go back to this footage <laughs> and you were yelling and you yeah. were wrong. Now, I still know what they mean. And they, I was I sort of mean it's something about temper, isn't it? If you lose your temper, you've lost the argument. If you lose your temper, yell. But I think if you're on the right side of history, I, I, this is my theory, even though I will always try to remember, Todd, take a deep breath, yelling. If it doesn't make you right, it doesn't make you also, it doesn't, it's, it's, you're not, you might not be getting into the ears mm-hmm. of the people you need to. But I thought, you know, if you're right, if, if you went back and you listened to a talk show host from 1972 and he was going, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why, if a black person marries a white person, it's a big deal. I don't get it. 
I don't get why people need time. I just, I don't get it. I don't fucking understand it. I know I'm supposed to, and I know people are allowed to have their opinion that's not mine, but I don't get it. We're all, it's not that fucking complicated. We're all, if you believe in God, which I don't, but a lot of people do, we're all God's creatures. Leave people the fuck alone. I don't get the other fucking side. From 1972, and you rent back and you listen to that, would that guy sound stupid? Yeah, right. Probably not. Even to the person that told me that, if you tricked it, which I might try to do, and make a fake interview from 72 and 68, and then play it for someone, not because if you say, what would you do if you heard that, they know where you're going, they could lie. But if you just play it, they'd probably go, wow, who the fuck is this guy? I hope, I hope that I'm that. And, you know, so I think to myself, like, well, maybe if I'm right, then there's some footage of me yelling, you know, people will look back and not go, who's this guy yelling? Yeah, I, yeah, great. It's a great point. And, there's, and that, that makes me want to ask two different questions. One is that when you, when you just did that then, when you just really went for it, like, you can absolutely just turn it on and do a thousand percent. Like, I don't think on my best angry day I could be that convincingly angry. Calm, you know, well, it calms what, me, so it really does calm uh, me. Uh, well, I, I was sort of imagining what is the well into which, from which you're dipping when you get that? Can you just, is that just always there? And it's like, you go, okay, I'll just press the button, bang, let's get this out, because it's always there, because you've got reserves of it somehow, the fuel is there. <laughs> Sometimes I can do it where, as you see right now, I come right back and I'm not out of breath and everything's fine. Sure. Other times I tell myself, all right, you get way too worked up. You can't get that worked up where I literally say, Todd, you gotta. And it could be over anything. It could be over aesthetics at a comedy club. You know, not aesthetics like a color of a wall, but like something that's wrong, yeah. justifiably wrong. Or it can be over social issues. Social issues get me, uh, you know, I've talked about this same thing over and over again, and sometimes I get paranoid. But I have this expression I made up, and this is why I think I get upset about social issues, because I think I'm right. And that I, I, I don't know if I coined this phrase, but it just came out one day. I don't know if anyone said it. But I use social stats to form my opinions. And there's there's medical stats, and that's how we cure diseases. We have to just acknowledge the past to cure mm-hmm. diseases. And when people, when scientists acknowledge when they're wrong, you can't cure a disease if you just want to be right. You have to want to cure the disease, which means sometimes you're dead fucking wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you know when you're right and you know when you're wrong, that's how you can cure a disease. You just look at the stats, look going back up. I think I do that with social issues. And I ask other people to do it too. It's like, and this is why I get very upset because I just don't know what, why they don't see it. And that gets anger. Although if I'm a teacher, anger, I get it what that person said. Anger, if you're a teacher, anger's not right. But I think there's in-betweens. And I use social stats. Every time there's a crossroad, and this will come full circle, to a group of people that we think should be feed, treated fairly and we're not social. History writes itself. We've never made a mistake. There's not one group where we went, name the group we were fighting for their rights. And, and by the way, ask somebody this. Because yeah. somebody that, that's arguing how we're treating transgender people now, how we thought about gay marriage, go, what's something in the past that society fought for? No, I'm, I'm going to say, no, yeah, this is a real you, good you point. You already know where I'm, I'm going. I'm, absolutely. I'm laughing because it's such a good yeah. point. Go on, and, go on. and I'm going to ask kind. I'm not going to make the person look yeah. like I'm going to ask it real kind. You're asking someone that's, let's say they're fighting whatever it is. Like we just said, gay marriage, transgender issues, whatever it was. Go, let me ask you a question. I would perceive you feel you're a pretty intelligent person. You're pretty fair. And there's certainly been people in the history of this world that we were unfair to atrociously. And you even could probably name some of those. I I know you're not a monster. But 
you're arguing this one, which would lead me to believe that there might be some in the past that we made a mistake. So I'm going to ask you to list one. What is a group of people, whether it's women or this, or that we fought for their rights? And, and for all the times we were right, there's been a few times we made a mistake. Who was it? Well, first of all, we're fantasizing who they would say. If they go hubba da hubba da hubba da hubba, you won right away. No, yeah. no, no. Name them. Because if they go, they can't think of any. What group? Was it this group? Was it that yeah. group? Who did we give rights to and think, oh, we should have given them rights? Yeah, yes. yeah we Ridiculous. made a mistake. Ridiculous. Um, yeah. And so, so I think, so why do you think this is going to be any different? What, what, what? So to me, they're social stats. Even if you just like to be right, not from your kindness or your heart, just because you like to be fucking right. How about that? You just like to be... Why don't you use social stats? You're going to look like a, a crazy person. It's not going to change. You couldn't even just list one. And by the way, I love to ask people that fantasy. No, list one. List it. Go on your next date. Say it. Say it. What's the group of people that you went? We made a lot of right things, but that group was a mistake. We gave them rights. Yeah. I can't think of fucking anybody. When you're, when you're kind of unleashing the anger, to what extent are you in control of it? And to what extent does it ever get the better of you like is it is it is it a is it a uh, a tool in your arsenal is it a, is it a brush that you can paint with when you want to most or of is- the time it is but not always sometimes like i say i get my heart rate going and i'm like really like on the podcast i'm like you know but i don't know maybe that's maybe that gets my blood flowing maybe it's maybe just because your heart rate's going doesn't mean that you're having a, a it doesn't mean you're having a maybe it's good i don't know can <laughs> you can you replicate the kind of, and this is a, with a lot of podcasters that I've interviewed or comics who also have podcasts that I've interviewed in the last couple of months. Um, this is becoming a bit of a fixation of mine. The idea of your, your two authentic selves, your performance stand-up self and yourself on the podcast and the relationship between those two things. So listening to your stand-up special, do you feel that there is authenticity and passion and the things for which you are known for your podcast, do you feel that they are in your stand-up in equal measure? That's a good question. The, the, the podcast has definitely helped me become a better stand-up comedian. When I look at my last special, I used to go, when am I going to stop looking at my, spe- my old specials and not liking them? You know, and someone said, hopefully never. I yeah, love that yeah, answer. Yeah, 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 good answer. Yeah. It means you're growing. Yeah. Um, on the last one, I didn't really deal with social issues. On the last one, I did... Uh, stop saying girlfriend you know i knew i was ready to maybe cross that bridge so i thought well why don't we just you don't have to talk about uh you know uh, uh coming out of the closet but uh oh, every term i hate and yeah. i thought it's three years later and i am still not crazy about it but i also don't want to send a message to anybody young that that's something embarrassing to be i know so I, I absolutely know the struggle. i heard the marion interview when it came out mm-hmm. at the big the big life changer and I haven't, I've deliberately not gone back and re-listened to it because I wanted to just sort of be with what sat with me at the time. Yeah. And the two things I remember from it particularly are your struggle to actually say the words, to yeah. actually go, I'm gay. I don't like the yeah. word, I'm homosexual. I don't like the word. I don't Do you know, know what I mean? That, and, and at the same time, at the same time, with that emotional articula- articulation um, to, 
to not to also flag up that you didn't want anyone to think that should be a problem for them. Those yeah, terms. and I hope I did it right because it's three years later. And by the way, I do say it. I said it on the podcast a few weeks ago, and I got a few tweets and emails that said "good for you." But I think if I'm ever going to stumble upon the word, here's why I continue to stumble upon it naturally. Because there's other people that feel the same way. So how can I stumble upon the word? I don't like the word gay. I don't like the word, you know, homosexual. That's, that's even worse. Um, but, but at the same time, stumble upon it. Cause yeah, maybe there's someone else listening, but I hate those words too, you know, mm-hmm. but also let them know by no means. Uh, are you, you're, you know, like uh, I always say the same thing. You're okay. I'm having trouble with the word, not who I am. Yes. Know that. Yes. It's a, it's a minefield of, of kind of a cultural appropriation and cultural ownership and mm-hmm. identity. And it's, I can't imagine it must be very difficult for you to go. I don't like the word gay, but at the same time, it, it has huge ramifications for a huge number of people. You're coming in, in terms of your public discussion of it. You're coming to it very late to the party in terms of your own life, actually mm-hmm. talking about it in public. Um, so deciding like, okay, I say this, these are my rights, it's my feelings, it's my sexuality. This is how I like to describe it. And then you, you, at the same time, someone with as much compassion as you are, it must also be kind of crucified by going, but I don't want to say that to those people. I don't yeah, want to say this to these people. But you also have a right to your own identity and your own expression right. of it. And I did it, and we just did it. Anybody that listened just heard that and went, no, he's not. He sure. knows his soul is okay and it's all No good. one's going to accuse you of being a self-hating gay. That's, I mean, I guess that's exactly. the problem, isn't it? That's exactly. the, 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 the fear. And the other yeah. thing, I'd say... The and other- and no, let me just amend that real quick. So, so... uh does it match, you know, the podcasting to the stand-up? I feel like the podcasting definitely helped me go into another arena of, uh, you know, if that's the right way to say it, but of, uh, and I'm excited about it, I really am, uh, social issues. On the next one, I'm definitely going to, because I like talking about it now, it's fun yes, uh, to talk about social issues. In a way that, that you haven't before in Never, your specials. I think maybe I sm- smidge it into it. Yeah. On my last one, yeah, but uh, nothing, you know, nothing. Even when I watch my last special, the Netflix special, I think, God, I seem like that's not the way I talk. Maybe I seem like I have a revert. It's a little comedicy, even for, you know, not like in the eighties, but like sure. Well, you're hypersensitive to it now because you're going out and having authentic, funny conversations that are live and spontaneous in the podcast, in the way that we're aiming to to give the impression that they're live and spontaneous in a stand-up show, but it's the act you've said for the last 60 days. Yeah, that might be That's a, good a point. big difference, right? Yeah, so, and, and what I'm hoping it is is that my, com- my, my style has gotten more and more casual and more talk. Yeah, talk like you do offstage, onstage. And yeah. believe me, my, my, my last special, it's not like I'm, I look at it and I hate it, but I certainly go, wow, I, I think the next one, just, just talk regular. You don't have to put on, like, you don't have to be so polished. You can be prepared, know what you're fucking doing, but, like, Keep don't. I'm like, on the next one, I'm going to write it on the inside of my eyelids. Just take a deep breath and just yeah. be who you are. But I'll definitely, I'm, I'm definitely excited, as I have been in my act for the last maybe two years, to start thinking. Social issues before were just things I talked about off, you know, just with my friends all yes. the time. Now I'm starting to... And, and do you feel that you can make a difference to the world and to people's... Like, when you're talking with social issues, that's like... You're, you're picking up the flaming sword and you're going into battle. You're going to fucking say something about this. Is it your hope that you will change people, change the way people think? Do you think comedy can ever do that? Or will people just go, oh, it's comedy about social issues in the same way as they go, oh, it's comedy about fire engines or well, it, you know, it, whatever? 
it, someone, this is a comedic rule. I'm sure you heard of it. I heard of it. Who knows who said it, but everybody said it. You know, it should, I think for your act, it should be funnier for stand up, funnier than preachy. Otherwise, you're not changing anybody's belief. Even if your anger, you know, when I watch comedians that they're, they're, they're not really, they're being funny because if Eddie Pepitone talks about something, it doesn't have to be funny because he sat with paper. He can just purely complain. But it happens to be humorous. I hope that's the case with me sometimes. But also to write well-crafted jokes, and that'll change people's opinions opposed to just yelling. But, yeah, I do. And you know what? This is one of these things where, like, you know, I really get paranoid because what I'm paranoid about is I don't want my friends that agree with me to go, all right, I love Todd, but, like, come on, shut up about that already. But, look, I've been doing comedy a long time, and I've seen – I've been on the wrong side of history, not egregiously – but I've made, I've made jokes over the years that perpetuated a stereotype that weren't the worst joke in the world. But, you know, what, what do I just want to do? Get rid of jokes yeah. in my act once they're the worst? What, what, you only take jokes out of your act when they're the worst? Yeah, but you've, you've contributed. You've done stereotypes that have contributed to a, a, a kind of a, a negative or a damaging cultural dialogue. Yes. So it's like, it's like pouring your um, it's like pouring your diesel oil into the into the the. The, uh, whatever it is, the gutter that has a runoff into the ocean. It's not going to kill a thing, but you are definitely not helping. Exactly. And it's, look, in the comedic community, it's very, it's just talked about a lot right now because of the whole PC thing, which I don't agree with at all. I don't think there's a problem with PC. Um, look, Andy Kindler says this brilliantly. And the answer to your question is, can comedy change people's beliefs? Of course it fucking can. You know, especially if they like you already. And then you, 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 you tell them something else. Like when I used to listen to Howard Stern and then, you know, as Howard evolved, you know, yeah, maybe when he evolves and he, and he, and he comes full circle on some subject, maybe some of his audience, he does lose. But what about the audiences that love him more and that he changes their belief? When Howard Stern says something at, at now or at the, at the height of his uh, – I think he's still popular. But you know what I mean. If you're going to say the height of his popularity on his radio show, he could change people like a like fucking crazy because he's going to do it brilliantly. So when I see someone with all that power and they're picking on the wrong group, at least I perceive, you know, you're like, who's to decide? That's my favorite thing to get this out clear. No, everybody's doing the right thing. Even if they're disagreeing with what I believe, they're doing what they should do, what they feel from their heart. But history will decide, hopefully, if you give a shit about history. If someone says, I don't give a fuck about history, I don't care how history writes me, then I can't make my point with them. They have to give a fuck. If somebody goes, yeah, of course I want to be on the right side of history, I'd go, Oh my God, I want to hug them and go, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. God, I, now that I found out you want to be, come here, I think we have some hope. You're, you're, you're not going to look good. And so comedy can be fucking a crazy powerful. That's why there's no subject that's taboo, believe me. But there's a, you can go at it in a shitty way. So it's my, my thing I always want to say, so it makes it look like, I, don't think I worry about comedy that offends people. You know, I think when I talk about this, I think get everything out, Todd, because otherwise you're going to you're going to get podcast hangover. Maybe the wrong person will attach themselves to you. Oh, he's right. I don't like comedy that offends people either. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't give a fuck if comedy offends people. Just I hope you're offending the right people. So when someone says, let's say it's a verbal knife and I see someone out there with a verbal knife and they're and they're and they're verbally knifing transgender people with one knife, I go, oh, no, 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 no. Don't act like you're the bad, you're, you're the, the tough guy. Here's seven knives, huh? Here's seven knives and a grenade. A grenade. Just throw it and stab the right people verbally. 
Of course, I'm not. In- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, and, and it's a very, you see me get, like, when they go, oh, yeah, I'm not, no, 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 no. You have one knife. I'm giving you seven. seven yeah, but yeah. stab the right fucking people. I have to say. And I'm using the word stab. You know I mean ver- verbally, verbally go at the right people. I understand. Who, I can, who the fuck would disagree with of that? Of course, of course I understand. Absolutely. Yeah. And I have to say, the, the, I mentioned from the three years ago from the Marin interview, the other thing which really, really resonated with me, and it's the first thing I thought of when I, before I'd met you, was the first thing I thought of, was that interview was the reason I stopped casually using the word gay as a negative thing. And your the argument you made for that was genuine, well-thought-out, emotional, compelling, non-preachy. You just explained it in such a way that I went, oh, for fuck's sake, I'm an idiot. What have I been doing? And when we talk about this, again, I have some really good friends that I, 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 yeah, I love that disagree with me on this. When you talk about getting worked up about this, I, 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 pr- I proudly had the argument using your point of view for the next, you know, for every, well, ever since. And, and yeah. I'll go back to that bringing clarity to what we said about the history of the world. We talked about groups of people. We'll, we can go back with, with, with research, with uh, social stats on words. Remind me to do that. We, yeah. we did it with the groups of people, now yeah, yeah. words, whether it's gay, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, retarded. Um, uh, that Obviously, I think every comedian should do what they want. But when they talk about policing, maybe you think I'm playing with words, but they're policing too. They're policing the policing. So it's like they think, oh, you should be able to do whatever you want. And I'm, t- I'm repeating myself because your listeners haven't heard me say this. You can do whatever you want. And I'm glad if somebody said, hey, Todd, come march. We're going to march Monday that there should be a limitation on what comedians are allowed to say. I go, well, don't fucking expect to see me there. Because thank God every comedian can talk about whatever they fucking want. And that should never change. What about if I disagree with them? I don't give a shit. Everybody should talk about what they fucking want to talk about. I don't give a fuck if I disagree with them. You say what you want to say. But that doesn't mean I have to agree with it. Mm -hmm. Why am I Mm -hmm. yelling? (laughs) That doesn't mean I have to agree with it. So I feel like I just, if I could get on a, a, a PA system to the world and go... Yeah, the, the, sometimes groups of people attack a great joke. I get it. And Andy Kindler said this brilliantly. They came off after Colbert. And you're going, no, no, no. He was brilliantly using satirization to make a point. Mm. When that happens, I defend the comedian. But I don't think comedy gets a blanket. It gets a blanket for me. Everything's okay to say. Yes. But not a blanket and we can't comment on it. Mm. And I don't know how. I get so angry. I don't know how someone wiggles out of this. I don't know how someone that disagrees with me doesn't go, oh, fuck, he's right. Oh, yeah, you, he's not. No one's getting arrested. Yeah. No one's getting arrested. Lenny Bruce won. You're fighting a fight that was already won. You're acting like if you just said I do it because I'm lazy. Oh, I get calm. But when you act like you're some and you pound your chest, no, no, you can say anything you want. You're you're stomping. You look like a buffoon when you're fighting to say these things. You can. No one's even if seven thousand Twitter people come on Twitter and go, I fucking disagree, and they're all wrong. You still get to say what you want to say, and that's good. But but you, I'm telling you, I think these people. I think it's reverse. I think the people that are saying, oh, everyone's so PC. I think they're doing more policing than they think they are themselves. If that, if you can Go follow on, no, that. Fo- follow, tell me. So someone that complains, oh, political correctness gone mad. That's the sort of phrase of however long ago. They can't you say know, anything anymore. You can't say anything anymore. They're, they're policing. Just, I, I think I understand what you mean, but just clarify that well, for me. Well, they're coming on and going, oh, shut up already. 
Yes. Shut up already. Oh, the, oh the, Twitter, shut up. I got an email from someone. Shut up, shut up, yeah, shut yeah, up. Yeah, 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 okay. The, the, the Lenny Bruce and guys like George Carlin did not fight so everybody could say what they want and then no one could argue with it. Yeah, that's part of being a responsible adult. That with the, the courage comes along with that when you say something, people don't always disagree. Hey, you know, Martin Luther King, I'm sure, felt that way. So when you're a comic and you're mad, I'm sure anybody brilliant in our society is... I should stop yelling. Um, I apologize. <laughs> no, don't uh, should, should feel that way. Everybody feels like, you know, when you're saying something brilliant that if you are or it's comedy. And I get it where comedians yeah. think like, but that's what's great about comedy. Again, I agree. You can say things that a politician can't say. You can say things that a teacher couldn't say. So, But that doesn't eliminate from saying the right thing. No, use your, what I call, like a guy like Doug Stanhope who uses vulgar poetry. I call it vulgar poetry when he turns a phrase and it's like, but let me tell you something, when he's going after the right group, it's, it's coming. Mm. But th- I, don't, I don't know how anyone would go, no, and I want to use it for the wrong... You know, and, and, okay. and I'm on. almost done. So when, when we said about the, the word, should I not say retarded? I get so worked up on that that I don't know what someone doesn't understand. If you don't understand, and, and I'm talking to someone listening right now, I really am. Um, why not to say the word retarded? I don't know how good life is going to go for you. And I really do. I don't, I, don't, I don't mean you won't have a nice car and you won't be have friends and all that. No, of course. But... The more you are in touch with your emotions, the more you have pretty cool people circle around you. And when you when you don't understand, especially with people that are mentally challenged. So what you're saying is, no, here's what I'll give myself the voice of someone okay, that's, okay. Uh, that's listening to me right now. Fucking wanted to punch me through the through through the speaker. Um, they're going, no, it took on a new meaning. It took on a new meaning. And you're upset because some mentally challenged people don't understand that. On that alone, when we're talking about that word, wouldn't you stop it because of that? Yeah. Because they, the, one, the, the mentally challenged people that are high-functioning enough to do PSAs to go, please don't use our word. Just use the word clumsy. Just don't use it. So if, here we again, we go back to social stats with the word gay, retarded. Name a word that we took out of our lexicon, whether it's – and, I, and I, I think when you're using the words to point them – Point them out for the vulgarness they are. You need to use the word, not not disguise it. Nigger rig, which for your listeners that don't know what that meant, that meant fix it cheaply. Nigger rig. It meant just fix it cheaply. Nigger rich, spend your money thrivelously. Should we bring them back? No, 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 no. Unless you're playing games with yourself, you're going, well, no, they're vile words. Uh, how about Jew me down? Should that be a word that Jimmy Kimmel should be able to? He doesn't, I'm saying. Yeah, On yeah, a nightly yeah, yeah. talk show, should Conan O'Brien be able to go, yeah, I went to the story to Jew me down. What's, oh, no, no. So which one? Which one do you want to bring which back? Which one did we go? Hey, you can think of three that we got out of our lexicon that were good, but name the one that you went, well, that one we took out for no reason. So what makes you think it's going to be any different with this? Can you take that argument, which is very well articulated, and turn that into your material? I, you, I when, am on the you next. You are. That's yeah. a bit. That's a. That's a bit. That uh, that yeah. has. That's the beginnings of a bit, or yeah. the, the the skeleton of a bit. Yes. So, and by the way, can I say one more thing, and then I'll shut up. <laughs> you don't I, have to shut up. Okay. I know there's a comedian listening. There's gray areas with me, like certain words that I, I and maybe I'm wrong too. But like, there's I don't even want to say them. But like, there are a few that I go, well, that could be for a guy or a girl. Yes. And I know the word the the cunt. 
yeah. in some in some uh, uh, what would you say uh, uh, cultures yeah. has just taken. But again, I feel like am I defending that? Well, that could be a guy or a girl. Nah, maybe that. I don't know. You know what? That's probably wrong too. That's all we have time for on this episode of the show. Coming out shortly, very soon, tomorrow or the next day, depending on how quickly me and Nathan. I feel I feel bad about those nasty things about Nathan. I said about Nathan. He's he's an absolute legend, and we all know him a great deal. Um, but we will put together part two of this ASAP and get it to you tomorrow or the next day, uh, and we can hear more from Todd Glass. Thanks for listening. Uh, more from Todd next time. And in the meantime, please feel free to donate at comedianscomedian.com or to buy a T-shirt uh, by pressing the button which says purchase a T-shirt. And a very nice button it is too. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.